is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and an energy worker and a channel. And uh, lots of stuff at tdjacobs.com. Programmed crystals infused with Ascended Master or Archangel Energy for healing. Original natal reports. 16 books. Consultations. Sound bites. Ah, oh, so, many, so many things. Uh, so today is a um, an MP3. One of these, uh, if you were born today. But it's actually, I was thinking about this. If you were born at the moment I chose to drop a chart, <laughs> the idea is I just pull up a chart, uh, in this case, um, for about nine minutes ago, and uh, I do a karmic analysis as if it's for a person. So essentially, if a person were born nine minutes ago, this would be highly accurate for them or, or highly relevant. Um, the idea being um, to show you this level of karmic analysis that I do and to give you some ideas on how to understand uh, even a baby being born in this present moment has this fully formed karmic journey. Uh, and also to put your attention on the fact that I do Soul's Journey sound bites, which are overview readings, approximately 20 minutes, uh, that tell you about the major themes of your life and how to work with them. So I'm going to do elements of that here today, but I'm not sticking uh, with the clock. I do want to do a couple announcements. The first one is, uh, today is October 18th, 2017, and this last weekend, uh, Thursday through Sunday, was the Family and the Conspiracy of Love Healing Intensive here in Tucson, Arizona. And I welcomed six people from various uh, parts of the country and two from Australia to um, delve into the why of family and soul-level relationships and help them understand um, why the soul wanted them to have the experiences they had and how to uh, shift perspective on why they happened and to release things. So it involved energy work, and including meditation, it involved um, an overview of what soul is and the soul's journey and how family and family contracts fit into it, and also individual work for each person, bringing those concepts to life. So it was a success, and I'm grateful to all six people who participated. And the next opportunity to do an in-person four-day workshop with me in Tucson is uh, February 8th through 11th, 2018, this coming February, and it's the Pluto Intensive. And it is all about Pluto, the uh, new vision of power and empowerment that I've channeled from an Ascended Master named Jehudi, also known as Thoth, St. Germain, Merlin, Hermes, and have put this into play for years with clients and myself. And I'm going to do this focused uh, small group, again, six people max, uh, workshop on uh, Pluto, what power is, what it isn't, how to become spiritually empowered, how to understand what your soul wants you to experience. There's a little overlap there with the family and the conspiracy of uh, love teaching. But we're going to focus on it, and we're going to dig deep into the muck. And this will be your chance to, in a small group, supportive environment, uh, bring up what needs air. That's uh, whatever has been buried, whatever has been shoved down below the surface because of shame and guilt and resentment, bitterness, anger, depressiveness. Um, anyway, I've trained myself to be able to hold space for people's Plutonian stuff. And if you follow these podcasts and, and my work, you know that I talk about Plutonian stuff quite often. And so I'm welcoming you into the circle. So six people will be able to come to Tucson in uh, early February. Again, February 8th through 11th, the Pluto Intensive. You can read about that on the healing courses of my site. You can just actually go to my site. One of the pictures on the homepage is you'll see a banner 
a graphic that says the Pluto Intensive. Click on that. You can read all about it and register there. And be in touch uh, with me at tom at tdjacobs.com through email if you have any questions. Um, yeah, I think those are the announcements. Um, yeah, so uh, let's talk about uh, this random person. I'll give you the chart so you can pull it up and uh, follow along at home or as you're driving. <laughs> it's uh, hmm, October 18th, 2017, which is today. 12.29 p.m. Pacific Time in Tucson, Arizona. Just happens to be where I am. So if, so if, a, so if a child were born 12 minutes ago in my office, eh, this would be the right chart. I always start with Pluto because that talks about the empowerment journey that the soul sets out for its humans over many lifetimes. Essentially, the soul knows that everybody on Earth doesn't feel in touch with their divine nature, which is the power of love. Yes, 80s ballad, you can hear it in your head right now, that's cool. But um, everybody's Pluto represents this transformational opportunity. The soul has you experience power over, power under dynamics in many lifetimes regarding your Pluto. Um, and this transformation is very important from fear and all its variants. So fear, pain, anger, sorrow, grief, guilt, shame, all those things that feel crummy transformation into love, acceptance, compassion, kindness, generosity, the benefit of the doubt. Transforming is the empowerment process of Pluto. Of course, we'll go into this in the Pluto Intensive in February uh, in amazing detail. <laughs> You're in for a treat if you come to this. Um, oh, I will say that it'll be the first time that I present the full teaching on Pluto that I've been developing over the years. Uh, if you took the Pluto Generations course through Astrology Hub a uh, year, year and a half ago, you got a little taste of it. You got one angle on it, but this is really the full story um, that's going to happen. Anyway, so Pluto in a person's chart is something that he or she needs to do to make life feel meaningful and to feel valid as if, you know, to feel that the person is important. And yet it comes with debris and scar tissue, and accumulated judgments and fears and pains and jealousies, etc., all the Plutonian garbage, from many lifetimes of experience when it has gone wrong, including this life. So when you feel disempowered, when you feel powerless, when you feel weak, when you're not sure if you can handle something or if you can finish something, that's a Pluto thing. You're up against it, and it may even feel like a life or death or survival issue. So empowerment we've cycled through it being power over power under, and it's time to get beyond that. So here in this chart, Pluto's in the first house. So the most important thing that this person, let's say, um, I guess I said in this chart it's an event. Let's say it's a little boy. Um, he has to uh, overcome fears and pain and regret and guilt and shame about first house issues in order to become empowered. So the first house is about independence and going your own way, standing apart from a crowd, uh, being that one person who goes down that unique path. Uh, Pluto in the first is about making decisions, perhaps being a leader, perhaps fighting and being aggressive or assertive. And, you know, that idea of the first house, Mars Aries, announcing your existence, I am, I'm here. Pluto in the first says, I'm seen as a unique individual, maybe I go my own way, and I have some stuff to work on about that. Also, 
Pluto in the first is about carrying directly a very strong energy of transformation. The opportunity to cut through to the truth and then you know, then you deal with the consequences. In some cases, other people say you're difficult, you're you're too much to deal with, you're too intense, you're too angry, you're mean. Pluto in the first is is about that. So in the course of this multi-life journey, this person who was born just a few minutes ago is trying to develop individuality without feeling shame and guilt and anger about what happens during and after that process. So how to set the self apart and go one's own way is a huge part of the story. Again, maybe sometimes making a wrong choice and feeling ashamed or guilty or hating the self. Um, maybe at sometimes making the right choice but being blamed or vilified by others because you're too independent or you break away when they want you to stay. You know, some aspects often talk about uh, can can describe that, um, and we are going to see that in this chart with the square from Pluto to Moon, um, Moon and Libra. But that's the basic idea. He has to go his own way, but that in the course of many lifetimes has been very painful. Now, when I'm talking to adults, I'll say. Yeah, including this lifetime. Well, if you're talking about a baby, that person hasn't yet accumulated experience, right? But it is true, whether the person is 15 minutes old or 60 years old, in many lifetimes, this theme is up. Okay, Buddha's in Capricorn, so this first house stuff is approached through the lens of Saturn. Um, attempting to be respectful, or respectable is what I mean. Uh, developing respectability. It's about structure and discipline. It may be about being in charge. It may be about needing to control things so that chaos doesn't doesn't reign. Um, and Pluto and Capricorn is about figuring out who's supposed to be in charge and what qualifies someone to have the right to be in charge. So it's Pluto's and Capricorn from early... 2008 to like yeah, 2023, 2024. And so all the people born during this period are going to evaluate who should be in charge. They might not all want to be in charge. They, all of them will not want to. But they will have this keen eye for what respectability is supposed to be. What does it mean to be moral and ethical? Who's qualified? What makes you qualified? And you're standing there saying, you're my five-year-old child. What's your problem? I just have this image of all these kids like challenging the authority of the parents, ultimately maybe giving in but like a five, you know, six, seven, eight, ten year, twelve year old saying, uh, when we, when we, when they get that old, the earliest are born, or the youngest are born, and um, sorry, the oldest of this generation, are born in January 20, uh, 2008. But I just imagine them saying, "Who do you think you are?" And the person goes, "I'm, I'm your mother," <laughs> you know, just challenging authority, because they have a karmic need to figure out what authority is supposed to mean. They have been disempowered through being authoritative and also through receiving others' ideas of what authority looks like, and also just marching orders. They've been disempowered by having other people in charge of them, as well as being in charge of something. So Pluto and Capricorn in the first, making one's own decisions, and then perhaps it doesn't go well, and there could be a lot of self-judgment. That's a big thing about Pluto and Capricorn, is self-judgment, and expecting others to shame you, or you holding that, shame and, and, and maybe guilt about decisions that maybe didn't reflect a responsible attitude. But there's a big thing about responsibility and, and, and what you have to be accountable for with this journey. 
Now Pluto is uh, square Moon and Vesta in Libra in the ninth house. Squares to Pluto say, when I attempt to do this journey, I'm squared. I receive pressure and friction, maybe criticism from people and situations and groups fitting this energy. Well, moon people, it's community, it's family, it's mom, maybe women. Um, I don't want you to get too specific with that because you, you become less relevant when you look at moon and assume it's a woman or mother. But people who are close to you, family, community, is a great way to start with, with the moon in this kind of karmic analysis story. Squaring you. And they are, Vesta people are devoted. So, this person needs to be independent and be in charge of his life. He will receive pressure and friction and perhaps criticism, from, maybe constructive criticism, maybe it's very healthy. And maybe it's just, don't do it that way. There's no reason, no good reason. From people who care about him, Moon, they are devoted, Vesta. Now, they're trying to keep the peace, Libra, and the ninth, they're very focused on their worldview and their beliefs. This could be a family that says, be polite, honor God, right? Some kind of religious deal, ninth house. Could be. And they're, and they're very devoted to this, keeping the peace. Well, so the person who may, has to make his own decisions may go against the grain at times. So what happens is the family says, don't do that, or we, we can't support you if you go down that road. It's a worst case scenario. Well, the worst case is we cut you off, we disown you. That's the worst case. Um, and that can, in different lives, lead to the pain of isolation, which Pluto in the first and Capricorn, loneliness is one of the things that can happen. Feeling alone, being alone, not connecting. This person born, you know, at 12:29 p.m. Pacific time today has a karmic history of um, being squared by family when he needs to do what he needs to do. Needs independence, but they say, you know, your views, your actions are hurting us. And he says, I have to honor who I am. And they say, you're hurting us. And maybe there's no resolution. So this person has stuff to deal with in family. It's an automatic setup that we, we, can, we know that for sure. Now, squares can also be constructive criticism, where the family says, do you realize what you're doing? And he can say, what do you mean? So there's also that opening in there. When I do Soul's Journey sound bites, I tend to focus on the negative because you remember the negative. In your emotional body, in your etheric bodies, all of them together, are the records of your many lifetimes. And so you tend to remember the bad stuff because it gets triggered and it's fear energy and normal for you as an energetic being, as a human, as consciousness that exists across time, is that what is unresolved what hurts, the bad memories get triggered and come to the surface so you can resolve them. It's not it's not in the natural order of things that you hold on to tension. So you will remember the bad things because they're constantly nudging to the surface to be resolved. Now, moving on to the second step of the karmic analysis is the south node of the moon. And this represents the kinds of family environments that the soul plops this person down into in many lifetimes. So the symbolism I'm about to describe will be relevant to certain things in the air in the family when this person was born. Uh, intellectual, emotional, psychological, financial, attitudinal, political, all kinds of different things, energies, opinions, and beliefs will be in the air and this baby will emerge into this and be conditioned by it. Be, the root chakra will be imprinted 
by what is going on in the family system. So this becomes home base because you are conditioned by it as a very young child. So the south node of the moon uh, is where we will actually retreat to because we assume when we're stressed and, and don't know what to do, because we assume the world is like this. So south node is in the second house, and that is about self-reliance, and it's about developing self-esteem. It's about gathering, developing, and using tools. It's about turning your value system into tools for survival, as in what matters to you most? What, what you know, living according to your own value system. What, what's your value? What are your values? Then you figure out what skills you can develop to manifest something related to your values, and then you learn the skill, get good at it, put a price on it, do it, charge money for it, you have food, have a roof over your head, there you are, you're surviving. That's the second house. Money reflects your values and your self-esteem. So uh, this is an Aquarius, so it's working differently. And Aquarius can also be a marker of sudden change and innovation and also trauma, disconnection and trauma. So this person is coming from a very resourceful family background. Um, there's something really important here that is about um, being able to take on old problems and bring new solutions. And there can be a strong work ethic and a strong intellectual, technical um, bent with this kind of south node. But it can also be that people in the family are, and so some of the people in the family may have that. Other people may be traumatized and have terrible self-worth. They may be stuck up in their heads in a defensive posture to try to protect themselves from having to deal with trauma. So that's something that's in the family, in the, in the air in the family system. Um, over the course of many lifetimes, this family group is choosing to process and cycle through certain themes together. That's really the key. And different people in the family will have different approaches and different tools regarding this business I'm talking about. So this person will have it has Pluto in the first, so there's a definite need to go it alone sometimes and perhaps be independent to the detriment of connection, right? Southland in the second house, I'm I'm self-reliant, maybe to an extreme. I'm really clever and I can make stuff happen. And I might not wait to listen to others. So we have two, the first two karmic indicators in the four-step story are about independence. So we can kind of start to paint a picture of who this person uh, is experienced at being in many lifetimes. So his assumption will be he needs to go it alone, he can do it, to not ask for help. That's the assumption. And the, uh, the Aquarius part of the South Node you know, they're both, and the Pluto and the Capricorn, they're both ruled by Saturn. And, um, but there's an innovation and an originality and a speed, as in very quick, that can come with an Aquarius South Node. Also, perhaps feeling like one doesn't fit in. So that's another statement of, you know, what can go with independence is feeling alone. It's another indicator to go with that Pluto. Now, we do have a square to the south node, which says that in the family system and in the worldview in many lifetimes, the, there's an unresolved issue. And maybe the people in the family and this chart holder know four or five out of the seven, eight, ten things that one should know to be healthy and happy. So it means that you know certain things, and you may trip over your shoelaces if you rely on what you know over and over again and don't make new choices. So the remedy with a square to the nodes uh, I advise you to stay away from the idea of a skip step or a missed step, which is what other evolutionary astrologers teach. Um, 
they tend they think of the soul's journey as linear and karma as linear and past lives i say the soul's other lives so it's kind of a long story but just look at it as i recommend that you look at it as an unresolved issue i keep relying on my assumptions my my be karmic beliefs and therefore it doesn't work because I'm not learning something. So we have to look at our assumptions and preferences regarding a score to the nodes and make new choices to resolve the karmic tension. This is Eros, E-R-O-S. It's asteroid 433, if you want to look it up in your own chart. Um, and that's in Scorpio at 19 degrees in the 10th house. So Eros is about passion, both creative and sexual. It's like the fire, the spark of life before it gets differentiated into creativity and sexual or, or creative and sexual. So it's a spark of life. And, and I, the way I think of it is whatever lights you up. And so that is in the 10th house in uh, the realm of work and public sphere. There's an unresolved issue about the right role of creativity and passion and sexuality. And it's in Scorpio. So we can assume that there's something in this person's history about something being revealed in the public space, perhaps with a scandal. Perhaps this Pluto in the first house Capricorn person is in charge of something but can't control sexual urges or a secret is revealed or something like that, a scandal comes out or even a made-up scandal, but something that reveals something or at least puts attention on him in an uncomfortable, unhealthy way. But there's an unresolved issue here. Now, it can also be about art and creativity and passion that way. And it can be well, I have so much to be in charge of, I can't be the artist I'm, somebody keeps telling my, me I am. And it can also be, I don't really, it's inappropriate to pursue the kind of sexuality that may be real because of I don't want to lose my reputation. So that's the kind of idea that we can go to. But there's an unresolved issue about how to live with passionate inspiration in Scorpio in the 10th house. How to bring what's true about me out into the world, whether it's through art or sexuality in some way. Uh, this can also be a problem with anger. Something in Scorpio square of the nodes can indicate suppression that leads to distortion that can come out in unhealthy ways, including anger, resentment, bitterness, something like that. Now, moving on to the third step of the story, this is the south node ruler by sign, and it's how the, the chart holder in many lives keeps showing up. A, a deeper layer of identity than the normal sun, moon, and rising in the chart. And this is a special skills and talents the person keeps showing up with in many lifetimes. So this person is conditioned to take on a role that fits this symbolism. So this is different in most charts. It's different quite a lot from the South Node itself. When I described that business with the karma and the family system, it's this person plus the family. What kind of worldview did I need to be conditioned by? That kind of thing. Now we're talking about who this person shows up to be, which is different than the family. In some charts, it's the same. In a few charts, it's the same. Some charts, it's radically different. In this one, it just is in a different place. It's not radically different or totally the same. Uh, South node is in Aquarius, so the ruler by sign is Saturn. I use traditional rulers for the uh, uh, Aquarius, Pisces, and Scorpio uh, in this process. That's the only traditional thing I do. Don't ask me why. It's just what works. It's the only thing I don't have an answer for regarding this whole process. So Saturn in this chart is in uh, Sagittarius in the 12th house. So person has this Pluto on the first journey. I need to be independent and I need to make stuff happen. I'm going to be seen as unique. I got to deal with the consequences of going it alone. 
and being in charge of things and what that might cost. South one's in the second house on Aquarius. There's a lot of work to do. I'm resourceful. I'm clever. I'm quick. I'm self-reliant. But then, and that's the worldview, how the world is supposed to be. But then he shows up as a 12th house person. Now, 12th house people, some of them need a tremendous amount of time alone to be introspective, meditative, creative. Some of them um, need to be connected to the masses and receive attention from doing something on a large scale. So it can be about kind of an attention-seeking thing that's actually kind of greedy and indicates a fear of trusting life and going with the flow. But ultimately, the person will need to learn to go with the flow and surrender to how things actually work on this plane. You have an intention, it vibrates out. You receive reflection of your unconscious blocks to making that intention happen. This is a key 12th house process for everybody who wants to live in the 12th house in a healthy way. What comes back to you may be the opposite of what you want to need because it reflects your unconscious limitation or block or belief that you can't have it. And then you work on the unconscious thing so you can vibrate more in tune with one truth. Not, I want to be happy as a conscious vibration and I don't deserve to be happy as an unconscious vibration. They will fight each other. You'll get both things. It'll be frustrating. So he needs to learn how to live in this point. Now, that can result in like the process can result in loss and grief and things slipping through your fingers. Think of Neptunian stereotypes. This can result in feeling trapped. Think of the traditional stereotypes in, uh, in uh, modern astrology carried forward from ancient astrology, especially the medieval versions, of imprisonment, asylums, institutions being trapped, the house of self-undoing. Well, if you don't surrender and give up to go with the flow in life, life will cause you to give up something or have to go with the flow. And so there is this issue that can happen about confinement. So this person might be born with this memory of being trapped or feeling like he has to fight the universe to get anything done. And this can also be born a little tired of, quote, fighting the universe, unquote, or fighting God. But there is an element here of, in a bunch of lives, learning about life and the self through not being able to get certain things done or losing things or people that he really cares about. That's a 12th house journey. If you don't surrender stuff, it might be taken away from you. That's a hard, hard thing for a lot of people to experience. Okay, now this Saturn is in Sagittarius, so belief is a key thing. Risk, faith, hope. Assume that this person has lost hope in a bunch of lives from being, from feeling overpowered by these things that happen outside his control. So he needs to develop faith in life, but needs to heal issues related to that. Now, um, the Saturn is also conjunct the true black moon Lilith, which is L-I-L, uh, parentheses, O close parentheses, at um, zero Capricorn on the 12th. I use eight degrees of orb with these conjunctions. And so there's an element of strong, raw, visceral, primal emotions go, that go with strong, instinctive self um, that's wrapped up in this journey. So maybe blocked about strong emotions, may flow with them, but if there's a loss of faith and a sense of betrayal from the universe, the anger is going to be very, very strong. When that can be grounded and kept in check, then this person can tap into um, 
a sense of connection with the universe through physical embodiment and the instinctive, uh, intuitive thing that comes with Lilith, this lower chakra stuff when we really feel grounded and safe. But this person may be born feeling unsafe. That's part of the key here. Now, Saturn is also conjunct the asteroid Lucifer. Uh, oh, if you want to pull up your own chart on astro.com, the true black moon Lilith at zero here is um, zero Capricorn is H13 in the asteroids and extra bodies text box, H13. And if you want to pull up the asteroid Lucifer, it's 1930, 1930. Now, Lucifer, forget the Christian mythology about the devil and Satan. Lucifer is about bringing light. We have to overcome fears of being arrogant and selfish in order to become healthily self-interested so we can bring light. Now, what that looks like, it sounds noble, sounds great, right? <laughs> what actually happens is you have this issue about needing to develop ego and then align it with something that's bigger than you. So here we have it will conjunct Saturn and Sagittarius in the 12th and Lilith. If this person feels betrayed by the universe or that God is cruel and senseless and, you know, tortures people on whims, if that's in there, that person may feel the need, this chart holder, this little baby, may at some point feel the need to become hyper-controlling to attempt to limit vulnerability to the whims of that universe or that God. So it could be a person with an out-of-control ego. And it could also be somebody who's developed the ability to be humble. Now, this this person is under a day old, so at this point is just sitting there crying and screaming and peeing and pooping, um, you know, and uh, seeing blurry things if he opens his eyes. But um, as he develops, he's going to display bold tendencies. There's an ability to trust, but that, you know, to have faith in life, surrender ego to a higher purpose, to be of service, which is what Lucifer with Saturn in the 12th year is about. But there can also be a lot of res residue about hating feeling that surrender costs too much. The pain of feeling that something too much is taken away from you. Sacrificing too much. So there's a big story in here about that. Uh, in Sagittarius, like I said, the need to, to have faith, I mean recover faith. Find something to believe in, not what you would like to believe, which is a trap with Saturn and Sagittarius, but find something that is actually true, that resonates as true, that vibrates as true. That's really important. To have a sense of connectedness to life beyond the linear logical mind actually connected to life. Now, this Saturn has two other aspects that are incredibly important to cover. Uh, one of them is the square to Mars and Virgo at the end of the 8th house. Squares to the south node rulers say... When I do my thing, I receive pressure, friction, perhaps criticism. Perhaps people are telling me to do it wrong from people, groups, and situations that represent this energy. We have an 8th house Mars, <clears throat> aggressive, perhaps assertive people who know what they want, perhaps people who want to fight or need to defend. Uh, in Virgo, they're picky and uh, controlling and very aware of how you're not perfect, and they want specifics. In the eighth house, intense people with secrets or intense people with whom you are intimately connected. Those people who are carrying a lot of intense energy, perhaps, but those people will square him. So he, he, in his quest to try to figure out how to have faith, he will be told by intense, perhaps domineering people, perhaps controlling people, that he needs to be specific and needs to stop daydreaming and talking to imaginary figures 
like God. So there's a real thing here about somebody trying, you know, people perhaps in different ways, attempting to not get him to or let him surrender to some higher truth, insisting on, you know, look, that happened to you. You should be angry because you're a victim. You've been victimized. And he might say, I'm trying to have faith that there's a that there's a higher purpose to this, right? South Node Ruler in the 12th and Sag. I'm trying to figure out how to have faith that all this happens for a good reason. And this other person says, no, you're doing it wrong because you've been wronged and you need to fight back. Okay. The other square to the Saturn is Chiron in Pisces in the second, and it's retrograde. Now, again, the square, pressure, friction. Chiron people are either very wise and healer-type energies who are very sensitive to energy and emotion, and they can process emotion, they're very caring and compassionate, or they're wounded people who whine or who don't know how to heal themselves or who feel that they're not loved in the right way. So it's like this whole thing about becoming the source of love for yourself, recognizing this infant wound, this infant-related wound that everybody has about feeling rejected. Now, Chiron in the second house, people with self-esteem problems, Pisces, boundary problems, energetic uh, issues. Uh, maybe they don't have faith in life. Maybe they feel terrible about themselves, but they will also pressure him. And this might be people who can't do things for themselves because they believe they can't because of their self-esteem issues, trying to get him to be of service to them or help them or hold their hand constantly or tell them the same helpful thing 15 times again and again. So it's like trying to distract, it might seem like he's distracted from doing his figuring out the higher purpose of things in order to be helpful to people who never stop needing help. That's a key to the square from, to Chiron. And he might not be open to people's energies, whether they're assertive, aggressive thing, the Mars square Saturn, Mars square South Node ruler, or the Chiron thing, sensitive people. He may actually be kind of shut down to emotion and energy at some point in his life or by default at the beginning because he doesn't want to have to deal with this pressure and criticism. Realize that when someone squares you, like squares your South Node ruler, they're saying to you over and over again, a bunch of them in many lifetimes, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing what you're doing. You're doing it wrong. Why don't you do it this other way? And you don't have an answer. All you can say is, um, because I chose the way I did it, and it's this other way, question mark? Anyway, they sometimes have good advice for you and input. They see something from an angle you can't see it. So they, like in this case, Mars and Virgo, Saturn and Sag. This Mars might say, well, actually, you know, if you look at it this way, you can kind of see this detail kind of changes the story, and they'll be maybe very analytical and psychologically oriented, Virgo in the 8th house, and very direct and clear, Mars, and this 12th house Sagittarius person might have not seen that detail, so it can be very helpful when you're squared. But again, we remember the things that are not fun. So this kind of squaring is probably aggressive, like try, someone trying to get you or force you to change. Um, okay, so let's move on to the uh, fourth step of the story here. And it's what uh, the family couldn't teach this person, but in many, many, many lifetimes. And so this is a blind spot this person will have karmic biases against doing it. If you're born into the South Node symbolism again and again, which you are, you're going to see that as how the world is supposed to be. The opposite is what you're told you should never be, and no one ever showed you how to do it. 
So um, the north node is in the eighth house. And so it's a blind spot. You don't want to do it. You'll draw people to you who nudge you into it, but you can refuse that. The north node of the eighth house says, I need to learn to trust people. I need to rely on someone. I need to partner and really invest in the partnership. It's not the partnership of the seventh house where you feel out how to help each other and you get to know each other. It's the eighth house, intimacy, interdependence. So this karmic, this guy might have a car, this baby might have karmic prejudices about those codependent people, eighth house, who are so intermingled uh, and intermixed in, in unhealthy ways that partnership is too costly, or I shouldn't ever really trust anybody. Because remember, the karmic bias here is Pluto in the first, I have to go my own way, and south node in uh, the second house, which is I'm self-reliant, I can take care of things myself. So this north node says, growth now needs to happen to trust other people, to let other people affect you, to explore intimacy, and what that means in all cases is vulnerability. And what that leads to, because when you approach intimacy and you become vulnerable, if you have any kind of pain, you feel it so deeply in the eighth house. That's the nature of everybody's eighth house. It's not obvious to anyone unless we truly trust them and bring them in. So the eighth house is also about the terrain of deep psychological garbage. It's not just knowing your emotions in the fourth house or knowing your feelings and needs and really looking at them. It's really dealing with a bunch of intense things that are triggered by connecting with other people through intimacy and trusting friendships and trusting relationships of various kinds. So this is the terrain to explore that he will have a bunch of biases against. We have prejudices, prejudices. And I, I like to make fun of myself and others in teaching this material because um, they're all ridiculous because we have stereotypes. That's what we think it is because we haven't had healthy models of it in front of us. Remember, the family has agreed not to show you how to do this. So this is happening in Leo. So taking some things personally, enjoying things, having fun, bringing out the creative self, and it's fire. You know, Pluto's in a fire house, but in an earth sign, right? South node's in this Aquarius, this air sign. So there's a need to make things personal and to bring the personal self in and to participate, like to really pay attention and be present. That's a big thing with this eighth house Leo North node, to be present to what's happening and invest and, and, and be there actually show up with your personality and your heart, actually be there. Not look at everything objectively and not look at everything as something that could be fixed, which is an Aquarius second house bias. This ability to resourcefully view new solutions to old problems and then make stuff happen, bam, bam, bam. That's the South Node bias and the Pluto in the first bias. This is the karmic history of making things happen. And uh, the need is to hitch his wagon to someone he can grow with. And growth here does involve the mucky, sticky, difficult, swampy parts of emotional entanglement. It means getting into that vulnerable place, but also not being codependent, being interdependent, and recognizing that he has to be triggered by others whom he also triggers. And then each has to be responsible for his or her own issues. And that's how growth occurs.
together. This uh, person born at, at 12.29 Pacific time today, uh, not even an hour old here, uh, will have this karmic assumption, this belief that uh, he should go it alone and shouldn't trust people and shouldn't wait for other people to bring their drama in. No, let me be efficient. So that is the, uh, that's the, the karmic story overview. If you like this style of analysis, uh, you can get your own soul's journey soundbite. It's about 20 minute reading, but they're always like, you know, 22, 24 minutes. I, I can't shut my word hole, um, because there's so much to tell you, uh, for 33 bucks and they make great gifts. And so we're gearing up for holiday gift time, season time, time, um, and, uh, people love to give those as gifts. And so you can check that out and I just need your birth time and your date month and year and location if you like as in city state or city country you don't have to have a birth time to have a soundbite it's one less layer of detail but honestly i just go into more detail on the sign the signs and the aspects so it's definitely if you don't have a birth time don't worry about it or if you're like um it's either 7 a.m or 3 p.m i i won't use a birth time in that case but i'll still do one without a birth time um, also, if you want to learn how to do this, I do offer evolutionary astrology classes. And uh, I started doing this this past year during 2016, and I'm really excited about it. I get to take these small groups of people and, uh, and teach you how to do astrology in the style of the Ascended Master I channel, who says this is how your soul sees it. So this very high-level advanced spiritual astrology uh, that will help you um, get in touch with the truth of what a human is and what each human journey is about. Uh, at present, I don't have an EA Basics Evolutionary Astrology as EA, uh, a Basics 1 class scheduled, but you can do the home study version. It's six weeks. The first four weeks are, are recorded uh, lectures, they're video lectures, with a PowerPoint presentation, and you can email me with questions during those four weeks. That lays out all the basics that we're going to work with throughout all the rest of the classes. Then, weeks five and six are individual one-on-one -on -one tutoring sessions to help you begin practice. And then, after the first of the year, I will schedule another EA Basics 2 class when you can, that's when you come together in the group. That's the, the kind of the new model. Uh, instead of hand-holding you through these lecture presentations, uh, where most people don't have questions, frankly. Um, Anyway, so that's the new model. That's 185 bucks uh, for that, including the two hours of channeling and the four uh, four weeks of presentations. So you can read about that at tdjacobs.com. And of course, be in touch with questions, tom at tdjacobs.com. And um, of course, also consultations. You can have your own full-on consultation and talk about your karmic issues too. I highly recommend getting a soundbite first before you call me for a consultation or coaching packages just so you can take advantage of me laying out the roadmap for you uh, of what your soul has you here to experience. Okay, thank you for your time and energy. Uh, my name is Tom Jacobs. I'm at tdjacobs.com. Take care.